Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. It's Wednesday, June 17th. I'm Akila Hughes. And I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is What a Day, where we are reminding you that brunch tastes just the same at home, and it costs like $3. That's right. And you can start whenever you want. You don't have to wait for everybody in front of you because they all want brunch. I hate waiting for brunch. It's dumb. So why don't you just, like, cook it at home? The line for the Pop-Tart and the toaster is just one person, me. On today's show, a conversation with Congresswoman Ayanna Presley about legislation to end police violence, then some headlines. But first, the latest. Amazing <laughs> grace, how sweet the sound. That was President Obama singing Amazing Grace during a eulogy for Reverend and South Carolina State Rep. Clementa Pinckney. He was one of nine black people killed during the mass shooting at the Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston. Today marks five years since that tragic event. And there are remembrances and marches taking place today to honor the lives that were lost and to continue calling for racial justice. In news, we are continuing to see local action being taken towards police departments in the wake of weeks-long protests against police brutality and systemic racism. In Atlanta, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms signed a series of executive orders aimed at restricting the use of deadly force. In Baltimore, the city council approved more than $22 million in police spending cuts for the next year, about a 5% cut. And in Albuquerque, where an armed extremist was arrested yesterday after shooting a protester, the mayor created a new public safety department to respond to nonviolent calls. We've also seen a lot of action out of D.C., so let's start with what Trump did yesterday, a press conference and executive order on policing. Yeah, so this executive order seems like it's going to do very, very little, uh, and there's not really anything that is immediately enforceable in it. But basically, it functions as a set of principles that are supposed to incentivize police departments to adopt reforms. But as an example of how watered down this is, uh, Mm -hmm. Trump said that the Justice Department would prioritize federal grants to police departments that meet certain practices, including the banning of chokeholds, with one major caveat, quote, except if an officer's life is at risk. Yeah, which they always claim it was at risk when they are, you know, doing those sort of illegal chokeholds. Yes. I mean, leaving that as a subjective judgment makes it Pretty worthless. You're right. Right. Um, He also said that the federal government would help provide resources for departments that have social workers join officers on calls that don't have to do with violent crime. The order also directs the Justice Department to create a database that tracks when officers have been fired or decertified or involved in other misconduct. So the whole thing is extremely limited. And people also noted after the fact that the order and Trump's signing ceremony made no reference to racism as part of this broader issue. Yeah, which of course he didn't. Of course he did not. Uh, And then in terms of actual real legislation, we're expecting Senate Republicans to put forward their policing bill as soon as today. And that bill is being led by Senator Tim Scott, the only African-American Republican in the Senate. So tokenized already. Uh, But House Democrats already put out a bill. So this is the Republican response. And what do we know about what's actually going to be in it? 
Yeah, it's also a little bit more limited. Um, it's reportedly going to create a database of use of force incidents, make lynching a federal hate crime, and target the use of chokeholds, this time by withholding some federal funds to uh, various departments throughout the country. And there's some overlap between what the White House, Senate Republicans, and House Democrats are all talking about here. But House Democrats are going much, much farther in their bill than Republicans. Though both parties at this time are falling short of addressing protesters' desires for defunding police departments and reinvesting that money. Yeah. And one of the key things that Democrats have put forward but is missing from the Republican side is any action on qualified immunity. So that's that legal doctrine that has often shielded police officers from civil lawsuits over misconduct on the job. On Monday, as we mentioned, the Supreme Court declined to hear cases challenging this legal immunity for police officers, leaving the issue up to lawmakers. But it's become an early sticking point between both parties. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, So the House Democrats bill, the Justice and Policing Act, would actually end qualified immunity if passed. And then Democratic Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, alongside Libertarian Rep Justin Amash, have been leaders on this issue in their own right, writing their own bill specifically about ending this. We spoke with Presley yesterday about why she's working on qualified immunity, what else needs to be done here, and what she makes of this inflection point in history. Here's a little bit of that conversation. True justice would be that all these folks would still be alive. But in the absence of that, there must be accountability. And so qualified immunity is this set of protections that was invented by the Supreme Court. It's been expanded in court case after court case, and it has shielded police from accountability, even in the most egregious cases of murder and police brutality. So what that means is that behavior doesn't change because there's no consequences. What is the deterrent that people can operate with great impunity, with callous disregard for black and brown lives. And there is no recourse, no retribution, no justice. So ending the Qualified Immunity Act, which I've introduced in partnership with Representative Justin Amash, would eliminate um, qualified immunity, restore Americans' ability to obtain relief when state and local officials, including police officers, violate their legal and constitutionally secured rights. So there can be no justice without healing and accountability, and there can be no true accountability for as long as qualified immunity is the law of the land. So that's the perspective that you're offering. That's a perspective that uh, is going into that particular element of this reform. And yet we have President Trump and Senator Tim Scott, who is leading Republican efforts on policing in the the Senate from the Republican side. They've rejected ending qualified immunity and saying that that's actually something that they do not want in any sort of package that, you know, comes to their respective desks. So where do you go from here? Is this something that Democrats should and will stand firm on? I mean, none of that which you're, uh, you're offering is surprising. You know, this is a, a DOJ that, that uh, operates with the absence of justice. Um, this is an administration headed by uh, someone who has a long history of racial prejudice and bigotry, who fans the flames of xenophobia uh, in his policies and also in his rhetoric. So what, what could I possibly be surprised by, um, especially when it comes to evading and obstructing accountability. I serve on the Oversight and Reform Committee, and we are very busy because this administration, when it comes to their um, policies, the cruelty is the point. When it comes to their culture, the corruption and the chaos are the point. And they have at every turn uh, sought to evade, obstruct, to stonewall accountability when it comes to their own administration. So, um, and even with the pressure they had earlier today to not even um, include police brutality, uh, to not even speak to systemic racism, uh, 
structural racism. Uh, so I, I believe that Congress must lead, we must legislate, and in this moment, we must act as the conscience for our nation. And um, those in the community protesting, demonstrating, mobilizing, believe that too. And so we have to stand in the gap in the absence of justice uh, with this administration. We've heard, you know, to your point, we've heard a lot from protesters about defunding the police. Um, I mean, do you think that individual city budgets allocate too much money to policing? Which I think I know the answer, but, (laughs) you know, just to have it nice and crispy. Yeah, listen, I think we, you know, spend too much money uh, on defense. I think we spend too much money um, in our line items to our police departments. We certainly spend too much money militarizing them. Uh, there is a, you know, that's something that I've, I've called for in my people justice guarantee resolution to stop the transferring of military grade equipment uh, to our police departments. You know, if we're arming people and, and many of them are disproportionately veterans as well with military grade equipment, then why wouldn't they go into uh, communities as if they are at war with them um, instead of operating from a plan of, uh, of protecting and serving. Um, and, you know, I have been in Congress for two years, but I did serve on the Boston City Council for eight years. And so I know about these unjust choices. That's exactly why mm-hmm. I voted down at least three uh, city budgets uh, consecutively, because I refuse to make the unjust, ch- unjust choice between a school nurse, a paraprofessional in the classroom, or an accredited librarian. You know, this is not a matter of a lack of resource. This is about a lack of values, alignment, prioritization, um, targeted dedication and allocation of funds. And so, you know, look, I appreciate the solidarity and that people are rocking their Black Lives Matter merchandise and hashtagging and liking and retweeting. This is about budgets. This is about policies. Um, And those are the only receipts that I care about in this moment. Look, Black folks are, you know, I was telling someone today, I'm like, look, Black women, we've been caping for everything and everybody for a long time. We are, yeah. we are gutted. We are exhausted. You know, we will continue to, to do what it is that we do. But I am encouraged that this movement is one that is multi-generational, that is multi-racial, um, and that we no longer have to make the case that this is a real thing, that yeah. uh, racism is corrosive and pervasive and structural, these are not anomalies of brutality, that this is embedded in the DNA of who we are. And so that is progress. That is progress. So I don't want to give short shrift to that. And that's why even though my heart breaks, you know, by the hour, it's also, um, you know, it also swells with the possibility and the opportunity of this sort of acute tipping point that we're at as a nation. Yeah. And that progress that you're talking about has been measured in these snapshots that we have of public sentiment broadly. And even just the notion that marches and protests are happening outside of major cities, as we've all seen in in communities throughout the country. Has it surprised you then how quickly public sentiment seems to have kind of crystallized around these systemic problems that you are talking about in the past couple of weeks? I don't know if it surprises me. I'll just say I'm very encouraged and very emboldened in this moment um, as a as a legislator. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that although the tipping point um, where the the brutal murders um, consecutively of unarmed black folk, that people are not only in the streets because of police brutality, that it is about 
uh, the confluence of generations of hurt, again, codified in legislation across every issue. So when we say Black Lives Matter, that means Black data matters, Black research matters, Black scholars and students matter, Black business matters, um, you know, uh, healthcare justice, housing justice, Black home ownership matters. I mean, we have to be that precise, that strident, that unapologetic. So, you know, that's what we want to see. That was Congresswoman Ayanna Presley. It's Wednesday, Wad Squad, and for today's Tip Check, we'll be discussing an essential American tradition. That's Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Like many other professional sports, the annual 4th of July contest will be a little bit different this year. There will be just 10 competitors instead of the normal 30, and the event, which typically attracts more than 20,000 spectators, will be broadcast without a crowd. Giddy, two questions. Will you be tuning in? And if a person eats 70 hot dogs and no one's watching, did they even eat any hot dogs at all? I think uh, the rule is that if you don't see anybody vomit, they obviously, you know, have not crossed that important <laughs> threshold of the hot dog eating. Uh, I'm not going to be tuning in. I never tune into this. The images alone disgust me. The it idea sucks. of <laughs> dipping a hot dog in water <laughs> in order to go yeah. faster disgusts me as a concept. It's uh, so, no, I, I, I disqualify this event and I always disqualify this event as anything that I would be participating in. That's absolutely fair. It is it is hard to see. And it's also like I keep thinking about the fact that when people are training for this, they eat like tons and tons of like cabbage or lettuce to like expand their stomach. So oh, I'm like no. right now at this moment in American history, there's someone in their house just eating tons of cabbage preparing for this moment. It's so insane. Where did they get the cabbage during a global pandemic? Oh, I don't God. know. Are they hoarding cabbage? I, I, I hate not. all of it. Yeah, it's it's definitely wild. So I assume I we we know that for the record neither of us are going to be watching this. No. <laughs> nope. But you've seen it before. Yes, I've seen it before totally by accident. It was my first time going to Coney Island the first year I lived in New York, so in 2012, oh. and we got off the train at Coney Island and it was literally like you get off and you're right in front of the stage. <laughs> And I was like, ew, what's happening? And we had to run through a crowd of like, I mean, it was way more than 20,000 people. To, like, we couldn't even get to the beach that day. <laughs> oh, my God. So it was um, it was horrific. And yeah, I, if you like horror movies, you're going to love watching silent, like just, yeah, people eating a thousand hot dogs in silence. <laughs> only <laughs> only the sound of teeth gnashing over wet dogs. Oh, my God. No one wants to hear that in the morning. We've checked our temperatures. <laughs> and we're going to check in with you all again tomorrow. Please don't even attempt this at home. Eat just one dog. <laughs> what a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who 
deserves flowers in your life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, books, promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S., with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love Fast Growing Trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, Fast Growing Trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Violent clashes along China and India's border left 20 Indian soldiers dead on Tuesday. It's the first deadly confrontation to happen there in over 70 years. In the past few weeks, both countries have been sending more and more troops to that border, which has historically been a very disputed area. The unmarked territory plus lots of military presence equals major tensions. And there have reportedly been shouting matches, stone throwing, and even one cross-border fistfight. Chinese officials have not confirmed any casualties on their side. Looking at another tense border, though, uh, North Korea blew up an office building in the demilitarized zone near its border with South Korea. The building had been cleared out due to the pandemic, but it was used for talks between the two Koreas. Look, I don't want to assume, but judging by the explosion, I'm pretty sure those talks aren't going so well. Yeah, everything is happening all the time. It truly (laughs) is. It's really too much. I'm done. I'm done. Um, In good news, though, a cheap and widely available drug could potentially be used to treat the most severe cases of COVID-19. That is according to researchers in the UK who found that dexamethasone, a steroid used to treat severe asthma and allergic reactions, cut the risks of death for COVID patients on ventilators or supplemental oxygen. Trials found that it did not help patients with mild symptoms, though. Former FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb said the drug could reduce the virus's mortality rate and that doctors are already accustomed to prescribing it. The use of steroids to treat viral respiratory infections like SARS and MERS has been controversial in the past, but researchers say the latest findings are groundbreaking. Great. 
Well, donations to the Black Lives Matter movement have soared over the past few weeks, and so have donations to the Black Lives Matter Foundation, a separate nonprofit that has almost the exact same name but completely different goals. Uh The California-based Black Lives Matter Foundation wants, quote, unity with the police department, which is probably not what people had in mind when they sent them over $4 million this month. Most of the donations were halted by fundraising sites or transferred to the real BLM, but Robert Ray Barnes, who is the BLM Foundation's founder and only employee, says... He wasn't trying to deceive anyone. He claims the Black Lives Matter movement stole his name and profits, okay? Oh. <laughs> profits he would have used for Black Lives Matter Foundation initiatives like, literally, an idea Barnes has called Have a Cup with a Cop, where <laughs> people drink coffee with police officers. I'm personally going to start my own foundation to stop this man from running any other foundations. Yeah, this should definitely be called the Kylie Jenner uh, Pepsi <laughs> ad foundation. <laughs> Um, is that the right? It's Kindle. It's Kindle. Yep. All right. Well, whatever. Not a Don't worry. It'll get cut. Uh, six former eBay workers were charged on Monday after waging an aggressive cyberstalking campaign against a Massachusetts couple who criticized their site in their e-commerce newsletter. What exactly the couple wrote in the newsletter is unclear, but what is known is how the maniacs at eBay reacted by texting each other, quote, we are going to crush this lady, mm. and then mailing out terrifying shipments like a pig mask, live <laughs> bugs, and a very <laughs> ominous book about dealing with the loss of a spouse. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, wow. eBay employees even listed the couple's address online as a destination for swingers. Creative, but depraved nonetheless. Notably, the eBay employees weren't entry-level. Two were heads of their departments. And eBay's former CEO, Devin Wedig, also reportedly approved of the harassment campaign. He resigned around the same time the employees were fired. Now, I did not know when I bought vintage t-shirts from this website that I was supporting an entire company of Batman villains, but we learn something new every day. Yeah, yeah. We we learn, and, you know, those are the headlines. (laughs) Quick announcement before we go. If you haven't already joined our Adopt-A-State program, it's not too late to jump on board. So basically, you pick a battleground state and do digital organizing to get out the vote. To join, head over to votesaveamerica.com adopt. And while you're there, sign up for a training session with our friend and colleague John Lovett for this Thursday, where he'll explain everything you need to know about voting by mail. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, sell us a vintage shirt, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading, and not just the fine print of the places you're donating to like me, What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at cricket.com slash subscribe. I'm Akila Hughes. I'm Gideon Resnick. And good luck and with, good your, luck at with home your at-home brunch. brunch. Yeah. Hope you got some waffles. Don't spill the hollandaise. <laughs> honestly that was a phrase that's the funniest thing I've ever heard what a day is a product of crooked media it's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis Sonia Tun is our assistant producer our head writer is John Milstein and our senior producer is Katie Long our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Feel like you got enough to do already? 
I do. That's why I use Ship Same Day Delivery to keep up with my busy life. They know the snacks I like down to the extra creamy in my peanut butter. I can get deliveries at home, on set, or even when I'm away on vacay. And my personal shopper, Amber, she's got my back. As in, she asks them to check the back if it's not on the shelf. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com slash high.